road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, we just want to beg you one more time to please rate and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you listen to us on, iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is, it pretty much means everything to us and we really, really appreciate it. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Gabe for our newest sponsor and this one I'm very fond of because I came up with it. This has been a passion project of mine. Yep, it's an energy drink. Sure, there's a lot of energy drinks out there that taste great, but there's one problem. What is in them? Nobody knows. They're not good for you. Well, that's not a problem with my new energy drink because I make it right in my own garage and you can come over and help. We are 100% transparent about our process. This is how it works. We have an elevated, graded steel platform that you just come over and walk your animal right on top of. Pull the lever and say goodbye and watch a 2,000 pounds of hydraulic pressure come down and humanely eliminate that animal and unleash proteins, vitamins, minerals, all that good stuff that you need to get through your day. Where does it go? It drops into a series of gutters beneath that you get to watch run down and end in a one-gallon mason jar. We fill it to the top. I call it dog juice. Dog juice. Man's best friend. Man's best energy drink. Get over here, you mutt guzzlers. This is totally unfiltered, 100% organic, cage-free, and the most humane way, really, to end their life. Dog juice. It's the most loyal energy drink on the market, and the only energy drink that has all that good stuff for you to have the energy of a Labrador to take on your day. Come down and get a glass today. Hey guys, welcome to the show. You have made it to the fourth and final installment. It better be the final installment of my drug period. God damn it, I can't go through this shit anymore. Um, We tricked you last week and said that was the final episode. This is the final episode where we talk about my inevitable crash and... um, and uh, withdrawal and some pretty horrendous stuff that Tevin really loved. He was He's generally enthused by it, and he thinks it's our best episode. So um, I hope you guys like it too. Uh, I do appreciate the sharing. I've had people say that it helped them understand their kid who's going through drug issues, so yay for me. But no, I'm glad that I was just hoping it'd be darkly funny. But um, take it how you will. So thank you for listening. I so appreciate the shares and all the reactions people have written. So enjoy the show. And, uh, you know, we had little projects. We tried to record Greg Davis uh-huh. recording a solo album, and me and Billy would go down and try to produce it. Or, you know, Billy was more producing, and I was just acting like a creative director. <laughs> um, but it was a great record, man. God, he, he wrote amazing music. But. So it's like, and then we were writing jokes, and I'd have plans, and those jokes that I wrote and ideas, a lot of that fueled the first five years of me doing comedy. Huh. I mean, for sure. A lot of those ideas and stuff that I used. In all this time, 
does it ever is it I mean I guess the heroin's pretty all consuming, but like does it ever occur to you to like go do stand up? Um I went to the comedy store and I did and I signed up a few times and then I did get up once that I actually like bullied my way on. Because I, I, you know, I mean, not bullied like that, like I strong armed, but more no. like just kind of going like, hey, when can I get a, you know, like, yeah. you know, I should be up by now. I, I can't, I don't even know where I got the hubris to do that. But um, sounds like a lot of open micers. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, they let me up. There was no people in the audience. I think maybe one or two. And I went and just, you know, I went and snorted a bunch of coke and smoked heroin before I went off, you know, for the nerves. And then went up and just locked up, and it was totally humiliating. And even though there was nobody there, it's just to see how far away you are from being. That must have been a pretty cold realization. Yes. Because, like, at some point in your mind, like, maybe success and stand-up and escape from heroin are all potentially tied up together, you know. Yes. Hey, you know, I'll stop my tour. Yep. And then I'll get hilarious. And or I'll just, get like, HBO. I'll stop doing this and then get serious about stand-up. Yeah. Or and I'll, I'll get fine. a lot of money from stand-up, and I'll do this, and it won't be a big deal because I'll always have money. Or did you ever have that I, thought? Or did you still no. think you're going to quit? Okay, there's definitely, when you're a junkie, there's definitely those thoughts of just going like, well, I'm, I'm a junkie. I'm going to be a junkie for the rest of my life, I guess. I don't have a choice, so I just need to make a lot of money to do it. But really, it is kind of just, you have fantasies about escape, for sure. For sure. So, um, and then, I'm trying to think of the, oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about mixing like dealers when this started to get really yes. dark. So me and Billy came up with this thing to rob dealers. And we talked about following the Pedros around because we know their stash balloon thing, right? Mm-hmm. So we got in his car and we start following them around for a while. And they just weren't getting out and finding their stash because Billy was with them once where they put the stash out. And then I remember we separated and then I learned through the Pedros, like I got in the car with them once and they said, where's your friend Billy? I go, what? I, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen him forever. And he said, tell him to call us, man. And it was just like, oh, no, what did Billy do? So I ended up, he didn't answer calls for a few days, and I ended up going over and finding him. And he's, uh, out, like, apparently they had the bag with the balloons there, and he, like, cracked one of them in the face and just splashed his hand into the pile of balloons and grabbed some and ran out and fucking ran through the street. Wow. Yeah. So he, he couldn't keep waiting for yeah. the, the, the real heist. He just... Right. Just pure panic. So then... And then somehow... This is what's fucking amazing. He somehow gets back in with it. Like, they... they I was going to ask. fucking forgave him somehow. Do you think with those dealer guys that they deal with so many degenerates that that's, like, operating costs? I think so. Like... like, like there's a, there's a level of fuckery that they're going to tolerate. They fucking cracked me in the face once. Yeah. There was one time where I was asking for free shit, and I started groveling. And, I mean, you you put on acting jobs. Yeah, I became a very good actor in that car. Like, you know, just, I mean, truly, trying to summon. Oh, you I, know what your man, motivation is. I forgot about this. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, I'm going to use that if I ever get a good acting job. What's my motivation to cry here? You need heroin. And... Um, and I remember, like, this is how, like, I can't even believe this is me. But I remember sort of landing on the thing of, like, just just make yourself as pathetic as possible. Like, so that they're just disgusted with you and they want you out of the car. And I, I think I started crying and begging for it. Like, please, please, like, raising my voice. Like, please, please, just give me something. Like that. I mean, true really, begging. that. True, true begging pathetic fucking begging 
And that's when one of them cracked me in the face and then gave me some. And then I got out and I was like, <laughs> I got my <laughs> Like I felt like I won, you know, and I was shocking to get hit. And then um, later I resented so much that I was – that I needed this. I, res- I wanted out so bad and I remember um, that I would wipe my ass with the $20 bill and then I'd fold it and I'd look and it would be like yellowy you know baby shit color in there and i'd fold it inside itself and fold it up and then i'd give them the 20 and get the heroin and i remember it was a true movie thing where they drove a block away and then they see the brake light slam uh, yeah on. and then and i my heart just was like oh god i'm in trouble and then they just kept going i was like <laughs> i won again i win i'm the one in control here <laughs> those are the victories you're getting yeah yeah and, and now you're, you're in cold water now right yep, three of you yep. how long have you been there at this point a year and a half and it becomes shit where it's like we're looking for through our laundry when anyone leaves the house they lock the door because they know the other two jekylls are going to go in there and me and my sister and my, my sister had to tell me about this completely today that we had a system when bobby would leave because he'd have some odd job and then i'd have one whatever that i would go watch the door as soon as he left or let's say he just went to get food or something mm. i'd watch the front door and we'd have a signal, and she'd go in there. We'd pick his lock, go in there and go through all his things, like replacing it just so and perfect. And you'd find some, and one day he caught us, and then he went and locked himself in his room for three days smoking heroin without talking to us. And we're apologizing through the door. Just disgust, like disgusting human beings, you know? You, you can't even trust each other, and you're open about it. Yeah, right. Like you're openly deceiving each other. Mm-hmm. That's very strange. And you're all openly accepting that it is. And you somehow get past it every once – like, you know, you kind of – like my sister today said, I always thought you two were getting some without telling me. And yet then all of a sudden you'd all have some and then, and then it'd be okay again and we're all friends again. It was just disgusting. And we, we did start doing our scam stealing from them where we couldn't find their stash. So we would, every now and then, they'd give you the wrong balloon. So you'd order heroin, and they would give you a balloon. You'd go home and open it, and you'd all excited, and then it's Coke, which was just, like, oh, devastating. Yeah. It's like, this won't help me. You know, this just gets me whatever. Now you're jacked up and sick. Yes. So you'd call them back, and they would come get it. And, then, and they would actually take it back and give you the right thing. So then we realized, like, we could do. We could pretend they gave us the wrong balloon. You buy the exact balloons they get, buy the exact stuff, repackage it same size, and put baking soda in it. So you're not actually ripping them off. You're ripping whatever poor son of a bitch gets that balloon. Probably, except they found out that we were doing it somehow. So we we got um, a reprimand. I got hit again. I think Billy got hit, and. You know, it was such small fry. It was probably sixty dollars successfully. And I'm guessing again, they're they. You're not the only guys trying to pull some scams on the Pedro. They're making five grand a day at least, you know. Yeah. And those guys, oh, I, I started to say this, but this was just a marvel to me. After Christmas, you would come back, and you go to Gower, and I remember um, I got a bunch of gift cards from stuff, and I just I was hoping to get cash, and I got a bunch of fucking like fifty dollar Target cards or a hundred dollar Best Buy card, or whatever. It's like this is fucking useless to me. What'd you give me this for? And then I went there and I'd, you know, you get in the car. You, I mean, people would bring power tools or bring whatever. Whatever they, they got. Yep, yep. They would throw it in the trunk. They would have the shit. And after Christmas, I remember getting in with my 
with my gift cards thinking like, okay, this is $150 worth of this stuff. If they'll just give me $50 worth of heroin, that'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. And I think they gave me 30 you know? And I look, and they grab the cards, and they put in their center console, and there was a stack two inches high of gift cards. And they're probably figuring, all right, a certain number of these are bogus. No, you know? no. They, they had, that was when they had the scratch-off shit. So, oh, yeah, maybe so, people were, you know. Yeah, but. interesting. I figured that. But even if you're, hey, 30, 30 on the 150, I don't know, that's a pretty. <laughs> and I think generally people are scared to burn them. I mean, they, they were. I mean, I was way bigger than those guys. I'm 6'3", well, at that point, let's say 6'3", 170. Mm. You know, these guys are 5'6", 130 pounds tops. And they still turn around and, and fearlessly punch you in the face. Well, you figure they're connected to the Mexican mafia mm-hmm. so they can kill you. But also, they, they, they control you're, everything. You're very dependent on these, these guys. Mm-hmm. Did they ever threaten you in a way that really scared you? Um, a different guy showed me a gun. That was in South Central, and that was terrifying. Was what do you, you, what you say? Did you just kind of like pull the jacket open kind of he thing? He said, um, he said, hey, and if you try to pull anything, motherfucker, I want you to know. And he started to pull out his gun. I go, no, 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 no. I go, I'm scared already. I'm scared just being here. You know, like yeah. this is, you, you don't I'm have not to the guy it. you have to worry yeah, yeah. about for this. Just you're just buying is, it that, at that point? true. Yeah, yeah, I was just buying it. And that was when I was walking in South Central, and all of a sudden this guy runs across the street. And he's like, where are you from, motherfucker? Where are you from? And I remember going... That's a bad thing to hear. When when people ask you where you're from, that you don't want to hear that. So you know, it was really scary. I had to walk fast. No and one's do ever the white guy like ignore a thing. Like, <laughs> it's never like I'm just cutting through. I'm cutting through. They're never trying to give you directions back to where you're from. Right. That's right, never exactly. the intention of that question. Yeah, they're not helping. They yeah, they don't have a map in their left hand. You don't have GPS? Right. And then um it just got to a point where you just keep lying and getting like to where we'd all start going like, this is ridiculous because we're just going to get heroin and sm- smoking and watching Star Trek and then falling asleep. O- original series or Next Gen? I was all Next Generation and then oh. Deep Space Nine. Was it weird to smoke to smoke heroin and then and then hear Captain Picard's good advice? <laughs> that would throw me off. It was, you know what? It was real escapism for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I really got a, whatever. I loved it. And... <laughs> So, so here, it's kind of a three-part question. What's the biggest lie you ever told for heroin? What's the worst thing you ever did for heroin? And what's the worst thing you ever thought about doing for heroin? Thought about, for sure, going down and robbing old lady tourists. I mean, I thought about, because like, we'd go down to Hollywood Boulevard, and I would flat out walk behind. You'd, you know, you'd see, it's tourism central. You'd see yeah. some 58-year-old blonde lady with, you know, the jewelry and a coach purse and all that shit. And I just think, I just fucking snatch it and run. Snatch it and run. But it, You weren't it, thinking about hitting him over the head or anything, but you're just thinking no, about running by him, grabbing it Snatch it, may, you know, maybe, th- you know, if it's a guy, throw him on the ground or something. Yeah. But, yeah, but generally just, you know what, um, I like to pat myself on the back and say I was a good junkie as far as that. I, I never wanted to do anything um, never thought about violent killing anybody or breaking anybody's house. Even or... even stealing stuff was all f- very low level theft. Um, you know, I never like I don't remember being in someone's house stealing from a stranger. It was stealing from my family, the people who had the least suspected. <laughs> what prevents you from doing that? What, is, do you still? I mean, are these still? Are there still like moral lines in your mind that you've constructed that you won't cross and that are keeping you in check? For sure, for sure. You 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 don't want to lose yourself. I'm sure. They move constantly, and you just don't want to lose yourself completely. I, I mean, it's it is meeting 
um, you know, you know, I hate to say this because I'm, I think he was a really good-hearted, good guy in a weird way for a white supremacist. But um, I didn't want to be Greg. You know, I didn't want to. You always had your examples of the people who are a few rungs beneath you, mm-hmm. whether it was even waiting on the side of the street, and you didn't want to be those people. So you're always trying to keep your thing, whatever that is. Keeping and, up with the Jonesing. Yeah, yeah, keeping up with the. Well, that's a good album title. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I don't think um, worst thing. So what were the other questions? Uh, uh, worst thing you ever did. Worst worst thing you ever thought about doing. We covered that. What's yep. the worst thing you ever did? I mean, you know, this is a boring answer, but it feels like oh, um, my sister said when she was home that I took her checkbook and I went and wrote checks at a check cashing place mm. and bounced like a two hundred and fifty dollar check that came down like that was actually part of the beginning of the end sort of and oh the worst thing i ever did i'm sorry that was lose the fucking a car oh yeah lose the car we we we, we were kind of with that your dad gave you a car you, yes right and you when you say lost it how and what what you do lose so i misplace? thought um i remember i got a bunch of tickets all the time because you just you know it would be like you have to move your car in the morning thing while street I'm sweeping, sweeping day, through that yeah. you know shit constantly so you're racking up tickets don't have money for tabs. Don't have money for, you know, mm-hmm. just all that shit, right? And um, and th- there was a weird circumstance with it. I remember one day, came out, had a boot on it. And at this point, I am out-and-out out junkie. Mm. I am surviving every day with bottles kind of thing where you're just like, I, you know, this is truly I'll never get this car back is how it felt. The, you know, that like, is an insurmountable amount of cash. $400 plus my t- – you know, it might be $800. That's yeah. truly impossible, you yeah. know. And I remember just being so defeated and so just like – you know, at this point, things were getting very bad. I was already – got fired from the moving thing probably or quit. You know, like I don't have a yeah. job. You're picking up odd jobs. i stealing from dealers and one of the dealers – uh, my sister had to remind me of this, wrote a threatening note to me because he knew I stole shit or owed him. And I don't even think it was that much, like, a, you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks. And he wrote, like, a, I'm going to fuck you up letter, put it on my car in my apartment complex. And my sister said that I was, like, telling her, like, it's not a big deal. If he was going to do something, he would have done something. He's not going to, like... And she's like, to her, that was just like, what the fuck is the matter with you? You know, how can this not be hugely alarming? And we would all try to quit and we'd all lay in our separate beds in our rooms, sweating and writhing and feeling like dog shit. Because the scariest thing of going through withdrawal, it's, it's way mental and it's, it's not that the pain is so extreme. I think it's a William S. Burroughs quote which he said um it's not the pain it's the it's the duration it's how long the agony persists and how it's just like it's um i just remember it felt like first of all you have that icy hot under the skin thing Mm -hmm. you get these um like whatever thunderbolts of pain you know in your back like it felt like Someone's grabbing your spine and giving it like in, like a snake bite kind of thing. Oh. Like going like, like that. It was just like – it's total discomfort. But the worst part is when you're new to it, you don't know what's coming. Right. Is and, this just the beginning? Is this phase one? Yes. And you're thinking of those movies and, you know, you want to Man with puke. the golden arm stuff. Yeah, yeah. You want to puke but there's nothing in your stomach. Mm. You're having – you'd fall asleep for a 
moment and you'd have these like vivid dreams about the Pedro's car coming into view and then you'd wake up and it wasn't real and that was devastating and and um, I have music that really sticks with me. The only thing that feels good in withdrawal is hot baths. Hmm. Uh, we learned that, that, you know, a hot bath feels good. So it was like, go soak in a hot bath and I'd listen to, there's a few songs that really that I associate with it. One of them is the Mamas and the Papas, Words of Love. No fucking idea. It was just, you know, the timing of a song, and you listen to yeah. it over and over. And a weird thing of going through the withdrawal is you start to become yourself. Oh. You start, even though you feel horrible, you, you start gaining perspective, and you start being like, what was I doing chasing this shit around? What, you really do start coming back the to The little earth. things that you started to ignore, start to, you start to see them clearly now. Absolutely, and you start going... Like, I got to get out. What the fuck am I doing? It is like getting consciousness. And then pretty soon, it's five days later, and you still, your back still hurts. You're still tired. You're still heavy and fluish. And then it's just like, I'm in debt, and I need, you know, it's like, I just, I'm going to go do a little bit. I'm going to just go buy a 20. I'm going to do half of it, throw away the other half, just to, so I can get some money or get through something. Did you ever do that? Um, Oh, I, I, I mean, what do you mean? Go do by twenty, throw away the other half. You ever actually throw away the other half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. Um, I mean, I or definitely give it have. to somebody. Yes, I definitely have. Um, and then many times, it's just you do that once. It feels so good, and then you get this great high because you've had a break now. Yes. And uh, but really, what it was is most days you'd stop. You'd wake up in the morning, feel sick, have a long day of being sick. And I'd be laying in my bed, and all of a sudden I'd see Bobby walk by my door with, like, clothes on. And I'd go, or, like, you know, in his keys or something. And i go, where are you going? <sighs> I just can't take you, man. I'm, I, you know, I'm just going to go downtown. I'm going to go downtown. And I'd be like, well, I'm going to go with you then. And I'd get up, and then my sister would get up. And Basically, all three of you would have had to have simultaneous willpower. Yes. Because if one of you cracks, you're all going to. Yep, yep. And it was over and over and over like that. And then finally, How many times do you think you tried to quit? How many days do you think you started and said, I'm not going to quit today? I mean, I'll say 12. Okay. You know, which is sort of— But it's a big commitment. Yeah, right, which is sort of a lot because you're saying I'm getting the flu 12 times in three months or something yeah. like that, you know, a real flu. And um, finally got to a point where you're just fucking tired of it and you actually become at peace with the idea of, I guess I'm a fucking loser. Like, if I don't do something now— I have no time to even fix my life. I'm 27 or 20, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I'm not this. I don't want to be this. If I didn't have good parents and a good, you know, compass for who you want to be or, or the ego that you, you think you have something worthwhile for the mm. world, you know, I don't know how you do get out of it. At least I have a, a narcissism and an ego to go like, no, the, you know, whatever. Comedy needs me. Yeah. And, and and that you're you know that you can still always pull this parents ripcord. They're ob- obviously they're they're not going to shun you. Right, which is you know not that it's not an agonizing. I was going to say a rip card makes it sound like pleasant or safe, and it was the word. Yeah, it's more like hit the nuclear button. That's kind of it's both, right? You. It's yeah, really, yeah. It, well, it really is the beginning and the end. Yes, and I just got this hole filled in, but uh, Bobby and I had gone and tried to do some job, and I think it fell through, like. Like, we're going to get $100 to move for people, like move some shit, like a Craigslist thing. And we got there, and they didn't need us or something. And we drove back to the to the apartment. We still have no money for heroin. And it was just like this real defeatist thing. And I, I just 
remember that ride being so down and just like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm so tired of this. I can't do it. I remember I told him as we pulled into the apartment, like, I just, like, I can't do this um, anymore. And I'm going to call my parents and, and like, like we hugged and cried and said goodbye. Like it was, even though we're walking in the same apartment, like he knew in a sense that at least I'm going to set shit in motion that whatever this is, is done in the form that we know. And I called my parents and there was no answer. I left a message on the answering machine saying that, uh, that I need help, that, you know, like we really need to talk and I want to come home and I wanted them to you don't say what it a is plane exactly. ticket. Right, yeah. right. Um, but I said I need help and I want a plane ticket home. And they didn't answer and they didn't call back for like an hour. And I thought that was so strange and I was up in the apartment and I think – you're waiting for the call every for second sure. at this point, right? For sure. you're, you're assuming the phone's going to ring any minute now. No question. And something happened. My sister was gone. but so, And then somehow Bobby came through with some heroin. He had a little bit. And I was – so all of a sudden your mood's kind of different now. Like, hey, it's not such a bad day after all. But I was still like – I knew I had, I had uh, whatever, rolled the boulder down the hill. It was going to start. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear a knock at my door. And I go – and I look through the people, and it's my fucking dad. Oh, whoa. Right. So he, he must have got this message that he must have heard it in the house, basically. Or, or... No. So what I learned is oh. they had left earlier that day to come and get me because wow. my sister had been home somewhat recently. And that me bouncing a check with her checkbook. She had folded because he was accusing her of like, "What are you doing?" You know, all, you know. Because he thinks stuff. she bounced a check. Yes, he doesn't know it was you. Yes, and and he got that out of her, and basically that was kind of their final straw. Because there was many. I mean, it's like I'm calling asking for money all the time. I I, I borrowed money from my friends. I mean, just the well, word probably had to made be a right. lot of things make sense to your parents. Well, so this is what's really interesting. When I see him at the door, that was my thought: is they must have got my message and got on a plane instantly. And when they were there, I mean, I thought they were going to throw a bag over my head and rendition me and take me to a rehab. And that was it. Like I I was like waiting to get punched in the face by my dad. Like just you're coming with us. We're taking you to rehab. Cult deprogramming right? level yes. stuff. Yes. And I, I remember like bracing and he was extreme. You know, I've never seen them like this, like the level of – Anger and concern. It, you know, it's a real mix of like where he's just stern, not showing compassion. It's fucking rage. But you can tell you have put them through hell, a real hell, you know, like that. If my son ever puts me through that hell, um, I will have deserved it. But I will hate that little motherfucker <laughs> because like I didn't bring him into the world to do this shit. And that's what makes you guilty all over again when you have a kid, by the way. But side thing. So anyway, my dad said something like, like really – just sternly like all right grab your stuff we're going to the hotel like just something like that and it was and um is he at all confused because like you you think you've told him kind of mm-hmm. but he he doesn't know that you think you've told him correct there was a real disconnect they did not so the truth is they had no idea what was wrong with me they just knew something's wrong oh so your sister didn't tell them we're doing heroin no i th- what did she tell him I don't know. Did she say drugs maybe? like Maybe. But I know this. So I grabbed my stuff and I said, okay, but I got to grab my stuff. 
and and he said something like, "Pack a bag, you're coming." So I knew it was, you know, like pretty extreme, and and I went. And I said, "Oh shoot, I left my stuff in the bathroom." And then I went. and I smoked some heroin in the bathroom, like I had to get my last. And in my head, it's like this is my last ever, you know, hit. So I smoked all of it up, and I went there. And could they tell? No, no, not at all. I would say. I mean, I think I just looked. There's a lot of crying, so your eyes are just fu- and you're tired, and you're just, you know, you already know, look like such gross. shit that you could have yeah, looked yeah. shittier, basically. Yep, exactly, exactly. And they, you know, we went. They they rented a nice room at the Sportsman's Lodge on Ventura Boulevard because I have to withdraw in style. And they started asking me, "What's you know, what's wrong? What's the matter with me?" And I started explaining, and I right away came out with it and said, "I'm a heroin addict." And they did not believe me. And they were just like, Really? Oh, like it was like, like almost with disgust, like, Oh, come on. You're not like. And what I've learned later is they, they thought I had mental illness. Oh. Well, it makes, I mean, it makes sense. From their perspective, um, makes, to- makes almost yeah. more sense than heroin. Well, in their Especially, worldview, they know people who might have some mental illness or they, they, that's um, – Their family, It's right. within their world, but probably to them, I mean, people from Detroit Lakes, right. heroin, heroin addict? Like, right. Heroin addict? And, and I remember trying to tell them and, you know, looking back, you just go, you couldn't – I mean, we all had cocktails as we're – like, wow. like as we're doing it, because they're so fucking stressed out and wrung out. Right. Well, they, of course, they don't realize the actual scope of the problem. No. And they have no barometer – or not barometer. They have no compass <laughs> well, for – Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have no – they have no idea how to deal with this. They've never even fucking – my dad's never smoked pot. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's so funny because did you feel like you made it clear in the message? Do you? I know I made it clear in the hotel room. Okay. Without quite like yeah. so this I am a heroin addict. <laughs> and I remember explaining to them, I don't want to do it. I want to come home. I don't want this life. I mm-hmm. want out. Um, and they sort of said something like, you know, well, what do you want to do? What can we do to help? And I remember just going like, I'm not going to rehab. I don't want to go to rehab. I'm going to stop. And I will move back to, you know – to Detroit Lake, so you know whatever, but I'm not. I'm not going to rehab. What made them? How did they? You finally convince them to believe you? I think just through. I think my sister corroborated, mm. and we covered for her lie. Okay, so they didn't know. Covered this point. for Bobby, right? And um, did they know anything was wrong with your and sister? I think they. Be- I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I think the whole situation was so fucked up that they really did want to get her away from me at a certain point. Sure. You know what I mean, which is just devastating that you're that toxic. And I mean, they were they were so ill-equipped that – and obviously this is not their fault. This is my yeah. fault. But um, that we're, you know, like I said, having cocktails and I'm, I'm explaining to them uh, about withdrawal and like what's going to happen to me. Oh, right, because this is <laughs> yeah, and not a stranger to this. So we have this hotel and I'm just saying, look. I want to stay in here with you guys. If I, you can't leave money in the room. You can't, if I say I'm going to borrow the car to go somewhere, you can't let me go. You can't, you know, like basically really laying it out for him that I'm not, you know. I'm about to not be me. Yeah. And that I'm going to be really sick. 
And I remember, I, I think my dad sa- said something like, I mean, do you need a doctor or something or do we need? And I remember trying to convince them to go. <sighs> I never even thought of this. All right. But I think, I, I mean, I know I tried to convince them to let me go by a little bit and that they would have them dole it out to me to like taper off. That's how like fucking mentally ill I was. I can't even. Does it even work that way? Like, is that even really possible? I mean, you're still going to have the withdrawals, right? You could do it over the course of six months or so, or three months or something. You'd be like, lowering take it, it down by microbes by like ten percent or like whatever five percent a week or something like that. But um, and of course, they, you know, they were smart enough to be like, yeah. no, no, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But they did like, um, and like my dad had to go settle my affairs, like pay the back rent, pack up my shit. Which, you know, by all accounts are just, you know, throwing shit away. They're, you know, God, it had to be horrible. I feel so bad that I did that. What do you think was the worst thing about the apartment that he had to clean up? All my stupid jokes. All my stupid um, shit I hung up on the walls or, like, things that I thought were funny, like a puppetry of the penis ad and, like, you know, things, things that would show that I was laughing. I think that had to be really, like... Oh, like know. like he wasn't having that bad of a time. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's that's a shit that made me embarrassed. Not like of. gross stuff per se, or, right? You know, like oh, there was bloody. I'm sure there was tin foils and shit like that. Yeah. But but yeah, I think that that's what what I think about that's really embarrassing. And having you know your dad settle your affairs and and um, and but I remember once I'm laying on the bed withdrawing, and this was the worst withdrawal of my life. Not even close. And why would you? Why do you? Is that a psychological component mostly? I think it was, um, you know, habit was built up the highest, and it was just I never got past twenty four hours. Oh, really? You've never gotten that no, far? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I don't think so. I know earlier I said like five days is still there. I think that was from later experience, but mm-hmm. um, or from that time experience. Yeah. But it, uh, I mean, I remember the the second night just unbelievable hell and I remember the pain in my back was so bad that I started like whacking the back of my hand on the nightstand because I wanted to break my hand if, to distract my brain from my back mm-hmm. you know and um, and my parents left once to go settle my affairs and there's my mom's wallet sitting on the nightstand or something and I was just like oh I could get that and I see cash in there but I was just you know that was a real no where I was like no I don't want to do it I crawled to the elevator to go down to the pool because the sun felt good to sit next to the pool. Wow. But I still had the hotel account. So I ordered some uh, vodka tonics and got pretty drunk. Did that help at all? Um, Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I remember the server coming over and I had snot, I mean, running down, like you just, your body's releasing. And it's not running down and, and like your eyes are tearing up and sweating and whatever. And I remember I had sunglasses on and she came over and was like, can I get you anything fun to eat or drink? She had some weird line like that. And I remember I was so exhausted and disgusted. I wanted to shock her away or something. I said, and I pulled my sunglasses off and you reveal yourself look so gross with the snot. And I said something like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not hungry. I'm withdrawing from heroin addiction right now. And she just, I mean, she knew that it was true looking sure. at it. And it was, you know, yeah. it was a gross, bad scene. And You probably sold that line pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Not a lot of acting. 
And then we were like standing in the pool and sort of like talking like everything's fine after like the third day because you'd have moments or hours where you're not feeling that bad. And I remember my mom looking at me and we're having normal conversation. And all of a sudden she like kind of breaks down and she's like, I just don't see why you couldn't love me enough to not do heroin. Oh, Jesus and I, Christ. And I was like, Mom, I think that's like exactly what you're not supposed to say. <laughs> that's exactly oh. what it is. So in your your sister at this point, is she back home now? Did they send her home? Is she still in L.A.? She's still in L.A. She stayed there a while afterward. Actually. Still doing heroin? Um, nope. Actually straightened out on her own because I was sort of the link to the to the Pedro's. She had her own problems and things afterward, but not, um, you know, she's had her own journey and her own shit, and she's in a, a great spot now. But really, the hero, that chapter, you know, the super darkness that I brought in um, was, you know, it left with me. I was, you know, I was the problem. And, and I want to say for my parents, too, because I, I made my mom sound bad there, but when we did go back, we flew back, and God, we had discussions about... You know, what do we tell the relatives? Sure. You know, why is Gabe back? Why? And and I remember just being like, I don't want to hide this. I, I'm not ashamed. I'm not. And, and it bothered them a lot. You know, we're from a small town. They didn't mm. want to. They didn't want to fucking say well, Your dad's that. a business owner, a prominent-ish family, right? I'm Absolutely. sure. And, um, and my mom made us have agonizing family meetings, rehashing everything over the last three years. Like, when you called us, you know, for this thing, and it was like tearful. My poor dad had to sit there and like sit through while my mom just interrogated and went through it and watched me be really pathetic. And then I'd be living at their house. And, and I mean, this is how crazy you make everyone. You, you debase everyone's reality. Everyone believes that you're a good kid. And all of a sudden, you're the worst of all the kids they know. You're pretty much the worst one um and you make everyone so insane that my mom would say things in these interrogation things like like and i've noticed that you've been leaving a lot of half full mountain dews around the house what's that all about and break into tears and i'd be like it's fucking mountain dew i don't know i wasn't thirsty or you know the mountain dew is gross i'm sorry actually they might want to sponsor this so <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's, I mean... I mean, are they constantly thinking that you might be back on? Are they yes. constantly asking you, are you back on it? Are you back yes, on it? Yes, absolutely. Are you... Okay, so real quick, we'll skip back just a little bit. How long does the... How long are you in that hotel withdrawing? I, th- I think I was only there for three days okay. or four days before we got on the plane, so the but third, I was still that, in pain that third, on the plane. third, fourth day when you said that you were starting to talk, now you're getting ready to leave, mm-hmm. and you're going to kind of finish your withdrawals. Yep. How long, how long does that... How long does the physical withdrawal period take? In total, definitely a week, mm. you know, until your the physical stuff is gone. And I, you know, the mental stuff it takes. You see, every addict junkie, they all drink a fuckload of Red Bull mm. and a lot of uh, coffee and stuff because you sort of want to replace it with something. Sure. And or sometimes it'll even be like exercise or you, online yes. shopping. It's weird the forms that that can take. You you definitely want to. Re- I mean. I think they say not to replace it with something. Well, I, I I think it's a convenient, easy way to do it as long as you're replacing it with something good. I think right. It is. But go to an AA meeting and and check out the coffee urn and the ashtray outside. Right. You'll you'll right. know everything you need to know. One hundred percent. And it's yeah, well, that's true. So now, did you also? So now you're back in Detroit Lake. So you you don't have access to heroin, right? Right. Which is 
huge. Right. It, it was it was a cheat code. Did yeah. you have any? Did, a, did you think you had any possibility if you dug around of getting access to heroin in Detroit Lakes? Uh, no, not in Detroit Lakes. Well, you could email or mail somebody and be like, you just gotta mail me. Some or stuff. or um, or I'd visit friends in Minneapolis, and I knew I could drive to North and go hunt around and find it. I mean that that is a thing that's with me to this day. I I know I can go find drugs in any major city if I if I wanted to. Partly you know? because you recognize the tells, right? Absolutely, and you know ultimately once you have the courage or what or stupidity, yes, to just go to the shittiest part of town and find a. Uh, you know, street people basically, and just ask them straight up. You know, and yeah. you're, and you're willing to take the chance to get robbed or beat up or whatever. You like you you will find it. Most of those people, especially fellow junkies. Like I remember seeing, um, you know, you like it was a tactic when I was using. If you were out, you'd go and you'd see a homeless person who looks like they're on drugs, and ask them if they know someone who can get you drugs because the the implicit agreement is. You find me drugs, and I'll split what I get or whatever. I'll break you off enough for you to get high. Yeah, you, you get a per- finder's fee. Yes, basically, one hundred percent. And that's you know I think everyone knows that essentially. So that's always sort of possibility, but not yeah. in Detroit Lakes. You don't really think you have any right, right. And 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 also in Detroit Lakes, are you considering trying to replace it? With, I mean, do you ever have the temptation of like I gotta get a handful of Vicodin? I gotta get fifty Vicodin and just. Shoot through those things for a I'm, week. I'm sure that I wanted those things. I'm sure that I even lightly tried, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, looked around sort of. Um, but no, you know, no major, um, I, you know, I think I started drinking too much. You know, you kind of do that. And there, there's also a weird thing where you f- get really confident. Like you start feeling so good about yourself for the first time in years that, you know, you're calling these old friends who you've just – fucking alienated and just trying to act like shit's okay kind of and like hey man sorry about that like that was really fucked up and you know i am and i mean there were a lot of very earnest conversations i don't want to be dismissive of it but i was your instinct as a junkie is to get too high on your horse kind of like hey I'm back. I beat it. Everything's the same now. Exactly. And now I'm ready to really take on the world. Like I'm going to, you know, and it's, you know, you get too high in a different way. And it's, I think that's why um, rehab can be so good is to keep you even and grounded and humble and all that stuff. (laughs) Plus you really do feel a lot better, right? I mean, just physically, how soon till you, okay, you stop withdrawing after, do you start feeling better, better? Like when you start feeling like feeling good. I, I am definitely a month, definitely a month you feel good. But, you know, I think even in that, in the second week or end of two weeks, you, you know, you have your, your times and moments sure. and stuff for sure. Did you ever consider methadone? No, no. I've ever, I did a little research. We knew people on methadone. Every person I saw on methadone was the worst person I saw. Really? Yeah, that was um, – it's harder to get off methadone than it is heroin or it's worse for your body. Like the withdrawal is more intense? Withdrawal is way worse. And it's um, all that people do is they use it as a maintenance dose. Mm-hmm. It's good to keep people from, you know, doing really awful shit. Right. But if you're not really serious about getting well and whatever, you, um, you know, you get your methadone to get well. And then next time you can get heroin, you do that together. Oh, so, so people don't uh, – they're not on the methadone to even stay on the methadone. I, I think a lot of people are on it. You know, with 
you know, it's not that they're dishonest. They're just weak. They have nothing going sure. in their lives. They're not connected to anything and no structure. I had great family structure. My mom made it so painful, you know, to like rehash everything. I was so crushed to disappoint my dad. And and I really just latched back on to, to my comedy dream and just kind of like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this work at all costs. And And that's, you know. It still hasn't worked, but I'm trying. <laughs> when did they find out that you got your sister onto it for a bit? That had to oh, be Oh, yeah. I mean, if they would have known that at the beginning, do you think the whole rehab thing would have been different? Yes. Yes. I think that I would have gone to rehab. Um, they, they would have sent you there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or my dad would have put me in the fucking hospital. I mean, that that – holy shit. I can't even imagine how – it was a big thing in my family that you're the older brother. You take care of your sure. brother oh, that's sister. It's, when did, so was it like months later, years later? I can't remember if I was still living in Detroit Lakes, but it was – I mean there was definitely a sense of I'm through this. I'm past. And then this other wave, like a new thing would be revealed and then it would be like, oh, I'm starting over again now. Like, oh, fuck. It was You built horrible. up a tiny little bit of credibility and yep. smack and it back down. And, and and the sister thing lasted a long time. It really hurt her and it, it took her a long time to get over it because I was her big brother. She admired a lot. And, you know, I, I think it fucked up a lot of stuff in her life for a while, just her perspective of how to – be you know how to mm-hmm. expect people to treat you and and i you know i just made her sound like she uh was a prostitute or something she never did anything like that no well, she bounced i mean they said she seemed to get back from uh from that faster than than you yeah she she had her own problems later yeah, that i won't sure. talk about on this podcast but yeah yeah she um you know her her problems were different and yet similar to but mine. you're so you're at some point did you tell your parents or did she tell how did they find out I most fucking certainly did not tell my parents that. Did you think? Yeah. Did you think you had uh, gotten away with that one? That that one wasn't oh, going to come out? Absolutely. And I thought. And when she did tell them, it was like, "What the fuck are you like? <laughs> you've seen what I've gone through. You've seen how hellish my life is." They, yeah. I bet they were madder at you in that moment than they'd been through anything before. I would say so. I mean, from what I recall, and and my mom again, she was in her social worker mode, so she just like dig deep, asking questions and. Every issue wants to rip it open and talk about it. And, and I mean, she'd get on the phone with me and my sister. I mean, I went over it so many times to where I actually got mad at my sister finally. Where I was like, would you fucking get over this? I gave you heroin. What, big fucking deal. You're alive. Like, that's how ugly. Because I just couldn't believe I couldn't get out of it. And you get to a point in your life where you go, I can't escape this. You know, like, yeah, I did when it. is this going to be over? It's over. I mean, it, not that you're abdicated of responsibility or all. anything. Not but, at all. But yeah. but it is, and that's, the, I hope that's a lesson for anything. Like, I know there's some glorification and fun, but it's like, I wouldn't, you know, people do the whole, like, do you have any regrets? Like, nah, man, no regrets. You know, it's like, I would be a fucking psycho to say that I wouldn't change a thing or or that I don't regret it. Like. I made my parents put them through hell. You know, like is that your I biggest regret, regret that? Your Absolute, sister and your parents. Sister and parents, no question. You Outside of your family, what's your biggest regret? That I wasted so much time with my comedy career. That I wasted so much. You know, um, luckily, you know, comedy is the most complicated thing. Where I go, 
it did give me a character and a backstory that when I started comedy, I felt like I knew who I was pretty sure. well. Which is one of the hardest parts of comedy I think that people don't realize. For sure. And 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 I did notice that I that I progressed very quickly in comedy for you know and you know just as you did and whatever cuz we started a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And you see kids start where you know you and I started at a time where we'd have people who were already in it 6 years that 2 years later we were equals to. So they're in 8 years and we're in 2 years. I'm not going to endorse myself of that much of the you don't think enthusiasm. So? Oh okay. yeah, I'm having too much of a hard time with this writing packet I'm working on right now to okay, pat myself on true. the back. <laughs> but no, I know you know what. I'll tell you what it is. I think there's part of it, especially when you're a little kid, or a little kid, a young comic. I mean, but um, comedy, they say, find your voice. Mm-hmm. What people know, don't realize is that to find your voice on stage, you have to know who you are. It's impossible to find your voice without knowing who you are. I think some people go through their whole lives and never know who they are. Yes. That's not a thing you're guaranteed to find out, and it might be something you figure out when you're seventy. I don't, I don't know. Yes. Like, I, I feel like I went through a long stretch without really knowing the answer to it. Honestly, comedy probably made me figure it out. Uh, so, it humbles the shit out of you. Yeah, and, 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 and most of other experiences. Yeah. But I mean, but you kind of had, you had the humbling from something completely separate before the comedy. Yeah. So you kind of come in, and also when you come into comedy, like, <laughs> what? This is going to be hard. Compared to what needing heroin every day and right, so you would think so. I mean, but it's still, I cared it's still hard. so much about sure. it that it was a new, you know, like hard sure. and whatever. Oh, I'm not comedy so hard, but I mean, it. it I, you do have a perspective, like our our, no our, our, our mutual friend, uh, the fantastic John Conroy. I mean, mm-hmm. I would certainly say that his his hard earned cynicism from from re- alcohol rehab. Yes, he came in with a swagger because he's like, whatever, man. I'm yes. not I'm not hammered now. I'm feeling all right. You yep. know, and no it, question. It, it really helped him. You know, whereas you know, if you if you're if if Good Boy Gabe. Mm-hmm. Would have stuck on the good boy path and tried to start comedy. It might have been a weird cold water shock. Yeah, no, I, I mean I think that's true, and and I think it gives me, um, you know, I have stories and real perspective, and so on that kind of what you were looking for. I mean, for sure. uh, I'm no. not to validate your misconceptions about literature as it that I had similarly as a kid. But, it's you know, fucking true. But you did kind of do the thing you set out to do in the worst way possible. There was a point where I realized, like. Where I like turned around and I was like, "Wow, I have a, I have a real fucked up past." Yeah, and, and like in a way that rung a bell. Where I was like, "Oh, I always wanted to have a kind of fucked up past." Like, yeah, and then you're just like, "What a fucking idiot!" You know, like I could have put that in. You know, there's a lot of decently adjusted people. I'm not famous now because of it or anything like you that. You can so. just learn to write jokes. Yep. That's what I always think is funny. I people be a writer. Like, people are like, oh, do you ever have to get super depressed and blah, blah, blah? I'm like, yeah, or you can just learn joke structure and then just apply yep. it to situations it's and you'll math. be funny. Yeah. It's math. Yeah, for a yeah, lot of people, it's math. It's math, with, math. A, with a twist of inspiration. Yeah. Uh, now, what do you think in the alternate world where Gabe Noah never touches heroin? Mm-hmm. And let's say he never touches like, the, you know, hey, maybe you do some, you smoke a little pot, you have some mushrooms here or there. Mm-hmm. What do you think would have happened to you? Out in LA, do you think you would have just? Do you think you would have done comedy? Do you think you would have started th- sooner? Um, I think I would be more successful. Yeah, you know, I do. Just, just, just because if somehow I could have found the courage to start doing it out there and get in the community and stay somewhat healthy of a human being, you know, like it, I, yeah, I think, you know, you and I have both seen a lot of comics move out to the coast who maybe are not the funniest person from our scene or something and then they do well and you go you know that's where the work is yeah you know and so yeah i I think i'd do better and i think focus it is 
it has diminished me in ways. Like, um, I used to watch Jeopardy, and I used to feel like, like, I could win Jeopardy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I know a lot of these. I know a fuck lo- I know a lot of these questions, and now I am constantly having the like, like I know that. I, 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 I can't write it. And then the answer comes like, I knew that. That's easy as it, You think you fucked your brain up? A little bit. I mean, not in a... No, I mean, Really not in a tragic way at no, all. I, I mean, I feel well, like my parents would hear that and just start crying or whatever. Well, but, obviously, we've had this conversation. You're an articulate fellow. Yes, being, yeah, yeah. You know. you're, you're not... Um, if I'm not quick or if I'm not rested and whatever, it takes a lot of my energy to... Speak well or whatever. I don't know. See, I'm a fucking retard right there. Well, and how do you know? Uh, of course, you know, it could be that's how you were going to be. Yes. Right? But you can never really know that. Right. You know what I mean? It's always that question that hangs No question. Put it this way. At this point in my life, when I haven't achieved the things I want, the biggest thought or thing that ever comes through my brain is that, have you ever really given the best of yourself to this? Have, like, has the best Gabe done this? Like, the most healthy, sober, focused, blah, 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 all those things. And, and you know, even though I've worked really hard and I think I've worked, you know, as hard as anyone in this scene for a long time, um, there's been a lot of periods where I've got in my own way too and I've screwed stuff up and I've not worked with people in the best way and I've not uh, played ball or done the things that you should do to get ahead. I've, I really did my own way, like I'm going to do the turkey stuff or – this podcast where I could have focused this energy on just getting a really good TV six minute set and maybe played the right, you know, and, and tried harder to network with headliners or people when I was coming up instead of competing with them and Mm -hmm. wanting, and wanting to bury them and then talking shit with them and, you know, wanting to be an equal. Mm -hmm. I think that was, you know, when I think back on it, it's like, well, yeah, why would they want to take me on the road? like a guy who's trying to, you know, compete with them and bury them instead of where, there's a guy who's probably just as funny or – well, let's, let's not be ridiculous. Yeah, let's well, say close to as funny. I mean just depend, going, it depends if I'm in town or not. Exactly. <laughs> and then you'll sit in the car with him going like, man, that joke you wrote, that's so funny. I wish I was as funny as you. And they're like, I'm going to take Brian Miller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Old sycophant Miller. <laughs> that's right. Always boost the ego. Absolutely. I, you know what they call me? Heroin for the ego. Oh, God. <laughs> I wish I would have known you earlier. <laughs> so do you, what do you, is there anything you feel like you took from this? What's the main thing you took from it? Like I'm looking for, you know, there's obviously yeah. plenty of negatives, but is there is there a silver lining? Um, other than I mean, stories, for, you know, I think for sto- you know, really, I think these stories and to have, you know, I think having regrets and knowing you have regrets is what builds character, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what character is? And I'm not saying I am not saying I'm some great guy or or whatever, but I. Um, I know this annoys the shit out of my wife. I, I'm not rattled by things, you know. Like when sh- shit's wrong, she's very bothered by things, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, um, this, and then losing, uh, you know, our friend Gus. Yeah. When you have shit like that happen, it's just like, uh, it's hard for me to get upset with anything else that happens. Even like the losing the car, like you're thinking back to like this isn't as bad as losing the car, and yeah. losing the car was was t- not even so top impo- five. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, and no, it has it. It's it's made me know myself. It's the ultimate humbler. 
Mm. You, I'm so humble. <laughs> or whatever. Really? E- even though I had, <laughs> I, don't know. Re- I had to be re-humbled again by comedy. Was but, that, I was going to say, yeah. if we took a poll, I, I don't was, know that you would come off as you're, humble. You're pretty pretty right about that. <laughs> but, I, you know, this is whatever. I have a giant, my ego is a giant crystal chandelier. Sure. You know, yeah. and it's, well, it, you right? like just described comedy pretty yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, I think, I just like to joke in a different way. But I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know the the biggest. I think that, I mean, that's, that's I think a... I think knowing yourself. I, I think I, I do know myself. I'm very at home with my weaknesses, and whenever I meet someone who can't admit they suck at something or can't just admit the shitty parts of themselves, I I really view that as a weakness. Like that's yeah. a big character flaw for me. Yeah. Or you, or you can't make fun of yourself. Right, or you see know. your own flaws. Yes. Okay, so t- okay, maybe two more questions. I have two. Uh, one question. So, you, what would you? <laughs> you did what you kind of set out to do as a kid, right? You you moved out beyond Detroit Lakes. You found reality. You found the reality you were looking for. I mean, you did find the reality yes. you were looking for. Yep. But what would you say to you now about that reality? Or like now, what do you think about it as opposed to what your younger self that, thought about that reality? That it was a fool's errand. It was a fucking st- like, and yet. If I would have just gone up to, like, let's say I would have just gone to the first year of the Franklin Manor and then dialed it back. But could you have? No, no, not at all. But if I could have, yeah, well. that would have been good. You know what I mean? Like, I would have loved to have a little bit of that experience and just like, oh, boy, you messed some shit up there, buddy. But, you know, hey, you're all right now. It's it's that crash and burn. That's that, that end part and bringing your sister into it that makes it really, you know, True regret, but can you? Does anybody re- often really get that part without the next part? Like some people do. Fucking yeah. there, there's you know I always uh, laugh at them and I don't like them. But when <laughs> like when you hear people who go and one of our good friends, uh, Mike Brody is, and I'm not trying to make fun of this, even though I do, um, where they go, like yeah, I'm I'm an alcoholic too, man, and then I, or they'd say I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. like you're a heroin. And I'd say, oh, really? Like, you know, what happened or what's your thing? I said, uh, 17 years old. I was just, you know, drinking too much, screwing up school. So I just had to quit. <laughs> it's like, you're not the same as me. Fuck you. you never... I, I know a woman who d- identifies as an alcoholic. I won't say her name. But she identifies as an alcoholic. She's never had a drink in her life, but she feels like if she did, she wouldn't be able to stop. Okay, this is a <laughs> bit I'm working on, my number one bit I'm working on right now. True story. And this is a true thing that happens all the time. When people learn that you're an ex-heroin addict or that you did coke or whatever, people go, yeah. Like, it, like it's always when you're at a, a party with, like, nice people. So, my, like, let's say my wife's friends where they're all, like, nice, clean-cut people. I know your friends. They're not nice people. Right, right. They're my friends. Exactly. And But my wife's friends are nice people. Mm-hmm. And you go, and they're wearing golf shirts, and we're barbecuing outside and drinking a beer, and and one of them will sidle up, and they'll say something like, uh, "So, used to be a heroin addict, huh?" I'd say, "Yeah," and then they'll go, "Yeah, I couldn't do that. Uh, I think I'd like it too much." <laughs> yeah, yeah, think, yeah. Everyone exactly. likes it too much. But really, what they're saying there—that's their way of saying like. I'm crazier than you are. Like, we I know just, we just seems, never got the chance to find out. I know it seems like I'm totally in control, but I'm just this in control because I'm so out of control. 
I'm so fucking, I don't know. I just love that. That's why it's a joke in progress. But thanks for the courtesy laugh, Brian. We could have brought it to a close there. Now I got to do another joke to close it out. Let's do a quick, I, I have one more question. What are you going to say to your uh, son about all this? Have you um, thought about that? Yes, I have thought about that. And I got to say, I think I will be a pretty, I, I think I can already see it playing out, which is dad's very anti-drug, but very like try things, great about weed and mushrooms and whatever. I really want to understand my son. Mm-hmm. And talk to him. I feel like a golf with my dad and I. Is we he we he doesn't understand. He hates music. He does not listen to music in a car. <laughs> He'd rather sit in silence than listen to music. Like, man, I don't like it. Who the fuck doesn't like music? Um, and then, uh, and like, I'm into comedy or whatever. Mm. And he he's made very light stab attempts to kind of get it. But really, like, he'll see some. Rock star, like once Brett Michaels on TV or something like that from Poison. Of course, some Brett awesome a fucking douchebag, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But he's, but he's looking at it, and my dad's like, like, look at this guy, what a fucking loser, sitting up there with his stupid bandanas. Like he just starts breaking them down in the most like poisonous way, which is very much what, sort of how I am. <laughs> but like yeah, you're describing your <laughs> right, right. But it was just like where you go, like he has no. Like, respect for anything arts at all. And I've sort of learned from that. And I love my dad, and I revere my dad. And, and you know, he's done things the right way. I have not, you know. Yeah. But um, it has made me learn that I, I, I want to understand my son along the way, so I stay in contact with my family. It was like, go to college. All right, you're an adult now. See you later. And there was never any checking in because they thought I was a man. They thought yeah. I was an adult. Well, Boy, I fooled them. Because he probably was. Man. When he was 18, he was probably on the straight He left narrow. home because his family life wasn't that good. And then started his own furniture store at 24, 25, like went and got a loan and is successful. You know, built yeah. it from the ground up. He's a bootstraps Republican, basically. Yeah. And so fuck yeah, he doesn't understand. He cannot come close to understanding. And I think that's a big part of the how you get isolated and how you're able to get so far down the pike without any checks on it, you know? And I was ha- across the country. Right. But we didn't have a relationship where you talked on the phone for real. Where you don't, you know what I mean? Check in, hey, yeah. I met George Clooney. Yeah, or just like sensing, like, you're not the you that I know so well. Yeah. Because you didn't know me that well, in oh, a way. We left out one important thing. It's one of the stories. That, you told me this one of the first times I met you. The wheelchair. Oh, yeah, can yeah. Can talk about the wheelchair? Can we can talk me? about the wheelchair. Really quick, we, we can, can talk yeah, about the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to do it fast, but... We did. Um, we can edit this out if you don't like, but I, I like the. No, I, I like it too. I'm trying to think, try to do it succinctly, but um, um, I, somehow someone pulled a wheelchair out of a dumpster because they knew that I would like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like one of those wheelchairs with the foot stirrups that yeah. were. Uh, this was like a 1958 wheelchair. Hospital. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Ho- the in the hospital. Sure. So, like, you can put one leg straight up mm-hmm. and out and one down and yep. stuff like that. And it was green. And I, this was my favorite prop. And this was at the Franklin Manor. And I became obsessed with smoking heroin and going out in Hollywood in my wheelchair. And to where I would even, like, on a boring day where it was raining outside, I would go in our, our hotel, this big. Our hotel, our our apartment had this big plate glass window right by the sidewalk, and I would go and I'd put on like 
clothes that fit it, like Vietnam vet clothes almost. And I'd go sit in my wheelchair right by the window on a rainy day and just look out the window with a really sad face. So then when people would drive by or whatever, walk by, they'd look at me and, and whatever. I'd look pathetic. But then we would take it out into the streets. And it was Hollywood Boulevard. So there's people partying. There's people whatever. And I'd have my characters that I do. Like I do the sad sack um, cripple. And I do the angry cripple where it's like, like, you know, get out of the way. You know, not everyone here can walk on their own two feet. But I'd really sell it for real. And people would get really bothered. And drunk girls would want to sit on my lap and take pictures. Like you'd see the ugliestness or the, the ugliest behavior where you'd see like hot 18-year-old girls that would be like, you're kind of cute for being in a wheelchair. Oh, like, Let's take God. pictures. And they'd jump in my lap, and I'd act like super happy because I'd think that's what a wheelchair guy would do. <laughs> and uh, and they'd like take pictures with me. And I learned that wheelchair people, that's, that's a good thing <laughs> to say. say. <laughs> people in wheelchairs would sure. have like, like a code sort of. And like I noticed every time we'd cross at a crosswalk and you'd see another wheelchair guy coming at you. We'd give each other a look like, these fucking people, huh? The walkers. Yeah, the walkers. Jesus Christ. And uh, there was a Salvation Army right next to, or it was on Hollywood Boulevard down from Mans, and they had long aisles that were three inches wider than the wheelchair on both sides, right? So it was a very tight. And I'd start to go down it, and this is when I'd do the angry cripple. And I'd, I'd go down it, and one of the... Um, workers would like see me turn down this long aisle that there's no way to turn around at. It just ends in a wall. <laughs> and they go like, oh, hey, sir, you shouldn't go. I, I go, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I don't need help. And then I'd go down and I, you know, and you can feel someone watching you. So it's like, I know they're, they're waiting for the up. inevitable. They're waiting for that. They need to help me. So I'd slowly wheel <laughs> myself down. And then I'd, I'd go like, I'd get 20 feet from the end. And then I'd be like, oh, this guy, he sees the end of the wall now. So I'd try to turn around, but I'd bang my feet on like the Like the Austin ramp. Powers, yes. back and forth, back and forth. Except it wasn't even close. Like I wouldn't even get sideways. There's I'd no get, way. I'd get, right, like boom, boom. And then they would they would do like a, oh, sir. And i go, I can do it. I can do it without help. And then I'd go another five feet forward, and then I'd try it again. <sighs> and, the same, and I would string it out and try it four or five times until finally – Finally, they'd come and grab me, and the whole time he's wheeling me out, I'd say, I was going to get it if you just let me try it longer. And I'm not acting it well. I'm doing jokey, but I would sell it very much for real, and the people would um, many times be left with like a, you know what, man? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you, you push people to their oh, politeness yeah, yeah. limit. Yep, exactly. Like, you I want to their... help you, yeah. but you're, you're a fucking dick, man. Like You deserve to be in a wheelchair. And then, <laughs> and then I'd go... We would put the feet straight out, and um, and we'd go to dance clubs. And it, it was fun for my friends to push me around, sort of, so they'd, you know, like really use me to get to the front of lines and all this shit because we'd take it out to, like, rock shows and clubs. People were and, doing that at Disney World for a while. They were pretending to be in wheelchairs because like, you get the front of the line. Yes, yeah. And then I used to do that at airports then because I learned it's you, there's tremendous privilege that comes with being in a wheelchair. It's well, a if lot you're willing to, to handle. <laughs> With great power. Mm-hmm. And uh, and with great handicap comes great privilege. And <laughs> Assuming, would, of course, that you either A, can't walk, or B, right. have no shame. And they would 
So they'd push me in the club and there'd be like really hot girls dancing. And I, I think the character with this was kind of like, um, like I've been a recluse cripple my whole life and now I'm out to have some fun and I just want to join the party. And it was really enthusiastic, but they'd run my legs into the back of women who are dancing legs kind of. And they'd, the girls would turn around like really mad, like, you know, who ran into me? And then they'd see it's a wheelchair guy. And then they'd all dance on me for novelty and take pictures. And it's just, and then I do, I get really drunk and I start popping wheelies in the dance floor and trying to like spin wheelies. And then I learned that I could tip over backwards like all the way and it would look like a really bad fall, but the handles would catch me before my head would hit would hit the ground. But to everyone there, it looked like this guy just tipped over and smacked his fucking head on the ground. So I'd pop wheelies and someone from bar security would like come over and be like, hey man, we don't want you to fall. They're always very gentle with you. And then because they're compassionate human beings, yes, exactly. that you have a physical handicap. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that's their problem. <laughs> they <laughs> fucked up. And then I tip over all the way and fall, and it would be like Peace Corps, like all the people <laughs> to like rally around and like go, okay, let's get them up, one, two, three, and they'd get me back up. And then I just very quickly wheeling and do it again, and people would start going like, "You're gonna hurt yourself." They talk to you like you're a fucking idiot, even though I had not indicated talking I'm, I'm, louder. I'm as not though, retarded. Yeah. You know, but they'd absolutely talk to you that way. And then I would just keep doing it like I'd wait maybe five minutes and then do it again. And then finally, like, uh, security would come over and just go like, you know what, man? We've had enough of your shit here. You get it. It was, it was really fun to see how Everybody far has you could that snapping yeah, yeah, point where even, even in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm fucking done with you. And in fact, oh, my God. You asked what was the worst thing of them throwing away. I remember this, this is what I was getting to. This is one of the first you tried you ever to told feed me. me it, and I didn't remember. It was my dad throwing away my wheelchair. <laughs> he thought that was so because I even tried to joke about it at Christmas one year. How it was funny, and I was just like, "What the fuck is the matter with you?" Because he sees the wheelchair, and he 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 must think like obviously have this stuff for no good reason. Well, maybe he's even making a real connection of going. He is crippled. He does need. He's crippled oh. with heroin, and this is an example. I'm making. Or, or, or well, I'm thinking. He's thinking you're, you use this in scams for money. <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, but the, either way, there's nothing. There's a literally nothing good. Especially that you have almost no stuff, mm-hmm. and among the stuff that you have is a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I even so- had the balls to ask him to save it. And what did your dad do with that wheelchair? He threw it angrily in the dumpster, and like. Uh, I was told he spiked it in, like like his rage came out when he threw it in, which is is actually the one part that's funny that I could laugh at him about, that he's mad at my wheelchair. You made a guy angrily slam a wheelchair in yeah. the dumpster. <laughs> which, if you're just a passerby seeing that, you'd be like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> or you think your dad was just cured, and he was yeah. just, like, invigorated. I don't <laughs> need this anymore. <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit compels me. I'm, f- <laughs> I'm finally out of this prison. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I feel good. Do you feel good? I do. That was, uh, we had one moving moment. I didn't expect to uh, choke up there. Yeah. You got me. You're a real Oprah. Yeah. I prefer to think of myself as Barbara Walters, but that's because I spent too much time with Gary, the guitarist. They're also old. Well, I don't know. Whatever. I am old. You are. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I I should say thank you for having having me on your show. Thank you. No, thank (laughs) you for having me on your show. And you did, I, I wanted you to do this because. You have a journalism background, and I knew, and you're just, you've done, as we said, the uh, the perfect amount of partying in your life, which is not yeah. really any drugs, but weed, things like that, right? Are we saying sure. that? Sure. Yeah. 
you know, and we're, we com- we're comedians. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I've certainly, uh, it's hard to be in the entertainment biz for a while and not be around. Yeah, I mean, craziness. most of my friends. But I have no know, experience with like. Hard drugs. Hard, no, I've never, right. I've never, I've never, never done coke. Right. Whereas a lot of my friends who, who would have been candidates to do this, I, they just, they'd be like, well, yeah, you did heroin. Like, of course. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you, you wanted it. So I, you know, <laughs> I needed a normal person who has a normal perspective. So. You know what? That's my my I, uh, among weirdos. I'm normal, and among normal, I'm weirdos. That's true. I really split. That's true. I really split the difference. And and you're a super funny guy, and one of my best friends in comedy. And I thank you for doing it. And if I'm, I'm urging the audience out there, if anyone listens this far in this thing, to uh, to look up Brian's, and in fact, promote again the things that you want to. Have people look up? Sure. Uh, website Brian Miller Comedy uh, at Twitter on real or at Twitter on, at Brian real Brian Miller. It's all with a Y. Uh, I do a, a sports show with si, our friend Cy Amundsen. Yes, Cy uh, Amundsen show. Really Simonson good podcast. podcast if you're a sports jock. Like yeah, me. yeah. It's about half sports and half silliness and tangents. But you know, if you but if you don't like sports, you won't like it. Yeah, you gotta be. I don't want people guy. to listen to the first half. We never talk about sports in the first part. Really, it always takes us a while. And my, my buddy goes, "All right, let's listen to the first half." And you get into sports, and I dial out. Really? Yeah, because okay. we just goof for like the first twenty thirty minutes. So at least check out the first twenty thirty minutes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I do uh, Twin Cities News Talk, uh, AM eleven thirty and FM one zero three five. I think every Friday yep. for a couple hours, seven and nine. If you're up in the morning, uh, doing heroin or uh, going to work, whatever you're doing. Absolutely. No, I always I still get a kick about hearing your name on the radio. So. And then um, if there's an episode of the podcast you do a sigh for people to start with, is there one that you would recommend to start with? You know, the last one was really good. Uncle Bookie uh, is a really fun episode. It has our friend Steve Gillespie telling some amazing stories about gambling and, and gambling too much. I'd love to hear that. He's a – yes. He has some crazy stories, and he's, he's a super funny guy. We had a really good time in the last podcast. So oh. Uncle Bookie is the, the brand episode of the Sigh Mr. And, and Steve was on a recent episode of this show. So, yes, absolutely listen to that one. Uncle Bookie. Yep. That was All a great right. one, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. And I'll be at Acme, uh, I think the last last Tuesday and Wednesday of September. I'm headlining a couple of nights at Acme a Tuesday and Wednesday. It's coming up. There you go, so Acme be on my Comedy website. Club, Minneapolis. Yeah. Brian Miller. Tevin, do you want to kick me while I'm down, say anything to hurt me? No, we go? I'm good, I'm good. All right. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening, if anyone did, and uh, had a good time. Thanks. Bye. It wasn't a good time. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, that's the end of my misery. Thank you so much for listening. I do want to address one thing. I've had a few people write. So I've I've had a lot of people writing me and saying various things, and I want to clarify a couple things. I feel like a few people thought I did this because they're telling me how, like, brave and inspiring it is, and I don't, like, I was just trying to exploit a period of my life and make some use of it a little bit so at least I didn't just waste all those years and it does inform who I am and the show. So that's why I was really doing it. I wasn't trying to inspire people at all. If you take it that way, that's fine. I will say, though, now that it's gone on, if I did have any intention or something that I would hope would happen with it is that if you have a, um, a brother, a son, a daughter, a, you know, whatever it is who's going through that, that maybe the the f- associate of the attic can listen to it and hopefully it helps people gain some understanding of what it's like or what their motivations are i mean maybe but ultimately I just wanted it to be interesting I'm, I'm pretty selfish 
So thank you, though, so much for listening. I, the response has been great, and uh, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.